And here we go, another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Monday night, October 29th? 29th. 29th. 2018, a Monday evening QB edition of Jamal About Sports. Kicking off the show, Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order. Uh, as we have a big show to get to, we've got World Series, we've got the Mets' uh, latest front office moves, as well as Week 9 in the NFL. You heard him, riding shotgun, the one, the only. AG, what is up? And for the uninitiated, a lot of thought, a lot of preparation goes into these songs to, to kick off the, the, the segments. Yes, so, indeed. So, you know, it's a lot, a, lot, a lot of planning. Yes, indeed. Yeah, they, there's talk, a method. Talk about some kind of relevance. Yeah, there's a method to the madness. I mean, sometimes it's random, but 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 so, sometimes, like tonight, uh, we, we start to show off with a song that we feel will be analogous, perhaps, to some of the topics that we will get into. And so, before we get to the World Series, let's... Let's kick it off with the bizarre love triangle that is the Mets front office, uh, the Mets ownership, and now the uh, soon-to-be newly announced, he's been announced, he will be announced formally to press conference tomorrow, uh, Brody, Brady, Van Wagoner, the Naginin, the, the fourth. <laughs> yes, I'm uh, Brody Van Wagenen uh, the third. Yes. Mm, yeah. No. His name is uh, it's Brody Van Wagenen. Is it Brady Van Wagenen? I don't. You know. I did. You know? No. Okay. Was his wife Lovey there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, very good. Lovely. Yes, very, very good, very good. Yes, I'm. Uh, jolly, jolly good, sir. Um. Yeah. No, it's Brady Van Wagenen or Brody Van Wagenen. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me get the name right. I, you can see I'm very excited about this yeah. hire. <laughs> As you can tell, yeah, I don't even of, know the guy's name. Um, a lot of info at your disposal. <laughs> I've been reading about. No, it's, I'm pretty sure it's Brody Van Wagenen. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Let's Distant see. relative of Arthur Vandelay. Uh He might be. Um, <laughs> by the way, Mets Twitter also not thrilled with this hire. Um, let's just go with Brody, and if it's Brady, uh, we'll 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 correct it's it. Brody. It's Brody. Okay, Brody Van Wagenen, forty four years old. Uh, what front office did he come from? You might ask Jamal. Did he come from the Rays, who have done an amazing job on a shoestring budget? Maybe the Astros. No. Did he come from the Astros that have employed analytics uh, and made a lot of smart drafts and, and gotten themselves out of you know uh, the muck and the mire and have been a contender for the last four years? Did he come from the Astros? I'm going to say no. No, he didn't come from them. Did, how did the, Red, the Sox, Red right? Sox, they just won the World Series. No, he didn't come from them. Uh, how did the Yankees? No. no, no. Oh no, he's an agent. Oh, he's a player agent. Oh, okay. Okay. So. Represents your starting pitcher. Uh, listen, there are so. This, you're at your star outfielder who never the, plays. This move is so. And it's hard fire. It's so. Yeah. Among others, by the way. That, that's just a, that's a very short list. Okay. There's like eight guys on the Mets who, with, for whom he is their representative. Okay. So let's take away the conflict of interest issues aside. Okay. So Tony Clark said the prospect of the Mets hiring this guy has alarmed several players. Mm-hmm. Well, so <laughs> you are so, New York Metropolitan. So, and so, so let me so let me get it. Let me unpack the whole shit show that was the Mets GM search to begin with, as usual, as as 
employed by the two worst owners in sports, Fred and Jeff Wilpon. Okay, uh, maybe well, Jimmy Haslam. Get, well, the guy in the garden. Uh, yeah, oh, Dolan is a horror show too. He's a horror show too. And maybe Jimmy Haslam with the Browns is worse because mm-hmm. they are a disaster as well. But Dave, by the way, Dolan hasn't been there as long as the Wilpons have. And Jimmy Haslam hasn't been as, with the Browns. I mean, the, the Wilpons, in some fashion, in some way, shape, or form, have been with the Mets now since 1980, right? I believe they bought the team in 1980. So that's 38 years. I thought it was mid-80s. No, it was 1980. Huh. Yeah. Um, so, listen, it, there's so much to unpack here. There's so many things wrong with this move. Um, let's start with the very way... The Wilpons went about the GM search. So first of all, because now their reputation is so sullied, and rightfully so, throughout the sport, nobody who's anybody really wanted to interview for the Mets general manager job. Now just think about that for a second. Think about the fact that Ben Charrington wanted no part of working for the Mets, former GM for the Red Sox. Think about the fact that Mark Chernoff's kid, who works, who, who runs WFAN, who grew up in New York, who now works for the Indians, wanted no part you of the think, Mets you job. Think that would be a dream job. Wanted no part of the job to the point where he wouldn't even interview. Declined to be interviewed. You would think a kid from New York, whose father basically runs WFAN, working for the Mets, would be a dream job. Also, you think? Yeah, you think you at least want to take a flyer on that? Uh, uh, listen. Uh, you don't need, and again, you don't have to be from New York for, to be to want to be the general manager for a team in New York. Particularly, again, you have you're, you're going to inherit a team that likely has the likely Cy Young Award winner, three other very good young starting pitchers. Okay, there's they, they did reveal to have some at least some young pieces in Conforto, maybe Rosario, Nimmo. Okay, Cespedes if he ever plays, but you have to pretend like he's not going to play because he never does. But at least with Rosario, Nimmo, Conforto, um, maybe the McNeil kid will look good at the end of the year. Maybe it's Peter Alonso who slugged the, the hell out of the ball at, at AAA and killed it in the fall league in Arizona. At least there's – it's not like the cupboard is completely bare. Is it inheriting the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Astros or the Cubs or one of these other teams right now? Of course not. If it were, those teams wouldn't be looking for a general manager. That's exactly right. Okay? So, of course, any team that's looking to hire a new general manager – 99% of the time, it's because the results were not what the team wanted, right? So you're, you're, there's inherent risk that comes with taking the job as a new general manager. But the fact that these guys didn't even interview because the it Will says, Ponds— says something. Exactly. It really says a lot. Okay. So because they wouldn't—those guys wouldn't interview, okay, the, 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 the Will Ponds— Somehow decided to there was there was there was apparently internal strife in the fact that Fred, the old man, thought that the Mets employed too, too much, much analytics. analytics. Right, and the younger, the, even though Wilpon, well, because Jeff seem, seemingly getting on board with the, uh, the please, analytics. Jeff Wilpon doesn't know his ass from his elbow. The only reason he's all excited about analytics now is because that's what he reads in the papers. That dope doesn't know the thing one about analytics and how they're actually employed and used by baseball teams. Okay? So, and Freddie Boy thought, well, because he, he knows Duke Snyder was good, though. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, that's Fred. Anybody associated with the Dodgers, okay, that's that's his thing. I mean, I'm surprised Larry King, by the way, hasn't been the general manager of the Mets at some point. That is his boyhood <laughs> friend, who is also a big Dodgers fan. Um, so, in any event, so Fred thought the Mets used analytics too much, even though they have the smallest analytics department in baseball. They're small staff. 
Uh, Jeff didn't th- claims that he didn't think it was enough. Again, that's By the only way, you, you are aware that analytics is being taught in college now. Like that's like a college; those are college courses. Okay. All right, like whatever. Sports analytics. Yeah, oh, good it's for a that. thing. Good it's for that. It is a thing. No, I, I understand it's a thing because we live in a, a, a society full of dumb group things. So I understand that it's a thing. Um, but Jeff Wilpon doesn't really understand. I can guarantee you he doesn't really know the first thing about it, what it really means. He just knows that it's de rigueur now in the sport. And so, oh, okay, yeah, analytics, analytics. I heard about analytics, so I want analytics now because the other stuff did. I mean, this is, again, this is the classic example of how dysfunctional the Mets front office is, how dumb their owners are. So not only that, so really good, well-qualified people didn't even want to interview interview for the job. Then the Mets looked elsewhere. They looked at Doug Melvin, an old standby kind of guy, right? Had some success with the Rangers, a little bit with the Brewers. He's 66. I don't want to sound ageist here. Maybe not the most exciting hire. Probably wouldn't have been the worst hire in the world. Now, again, the guy has a decent track record. Good baseball man. Yeah, okay. But it's not, it's not, and listen, I'm not saying you make hires based on whether or not it excites your fan base, right? Give me a guy that's smart. I don't care how old he is. Give me a guy who knows what the hell he's doing. I don't care if the guy's 80. But um, wasn't you know it wasn't a name that excited a lot of the fans. That's fine. Just be a smart hire. Be somebody who's good at their job. So it was Doug Melvin. Then it was um, somebody for the for Tampa Bay, I think. Right, Chaim Bloom. Right, uh, who's thirty five, and you know we talk about it all the time. I mean, Tampa Bay won eighty eight games this year, and they got rid of pretty much all their good players, which means they still had good players in their farm system. They had the lowest payroll in baseball, and what, what they did this year was, was it's insane. insane. But they're even in the years they're not good, they're competitive every year. The Mets managed to be non-competitive with much more talented rosters, seemingly, than the Tampa Bay Rays. And yet the Tampa Bay Rays are competitive almost every single year. And the Mets are, except for the World Series, when they went on a magic carpet ride in 2016, when they beat up on terrible teams like the Phillies and the Reds for the last 18 games of the year, whatever it was, the Mets have been non-competitive for the last, let's see, since since 2008. They were horrible in 2009. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, they made the World Series. 16, they made the playoffs by losing the one-game game playing game. And then they sucked last year. So I don't want to hear it about how, oh, the Mets are big. No, 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 no. They've been non-competitive since 2008. 2008, of course, was was a collapse that followed the collapse of 2007. So, but they were competitive, yes. But they also collapsed down the stretch. Both, right? They had a seventeen game, a seven game lead with seventeen games to go. Managed to blow the division. Anyway, I digress. So they, they interviewed Kyan Bloom. They interviewed a woman from the Nationals who used to work for the Yankees. Uh, I forget her name. Um, Kim Ng, I believe. Ng. Uh, and and then also, no, she's with the Dodgers now. She used to work for the Yankees. Maybe I'm confusing. And then there was somebody from the Nationals. That was it, though. That was all the inter- – oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Gary LaRock, who was also an older school baseball guy, came from – who was most recently with the Cardinals. Okay. Those guys got – they got eliminated. came down to the Chaim Bloom from Tampa Bay and Brody Van Wagenen, uh, from this agent for CAA, who, as you said, represents Jacob deGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Todd Frazier, Jason Vargas. Cespedes. Uh, uh, Cespedes. I mean, I think he literally represents eight players on the Mets. Eight. Eight. And so here's the issue with that. that. Okay, so he works for an agency, right? So, so of course, there are other agents within that agency. 
that can this represent can't be legal. Well, this, this, this can't. Well, be. so here's the thing. So how do you go from knowing all the stuff you know about these players, right? Now what? You're going to use it against them in future negotiations? Is future negotiation tactics? It makes, it makes zero sense. I mean, I can't imagine Jacob Degrom is thrilled about this. By the way, Brady Van Brody Van Wagner is also the same guy that last year. And during the very slow offseason, said a fight is coming because he, he was basically implying that there was collusion going on with the owners. And now all of a sudden he's going to be on the other side of the fence? It's bizarre. And, and again, he's the same guy who said Mets need, 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 either need to, around the All-Star break, either need to extend Jacob DeGrom or trade him. So wh- which one is it now? You're the GM. What are we doing now? Oi. So, I mean, again... And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know if Kyan Bloom is the right pick. I don't know the guy from Adam. All I know is from what I read, right? And I know that Tampa Bay has a good track record, especially considering the fact that they have very few resources and they don't spend a lot of money. And even though, as we all know, the Mets are in the number one market in the world, the owners pretend like they don't have any money to spend. So you would think that getting a guy from a team that spends $70 million, even if you only spend one fifty, which is shameful, but that's about what the Mets like to spend every year, you would think that a guy with double the payroll could probably do a really good job. And he's 35, and supposedly he's a Mr. Analytics guy, and he checks all those boxes as well. And guess what? Oh, here's something interesting. He's actually worked in a major league front office before, unlike Brody Van Wagenen. This it's ridiculous. It's completely – here's the thing. This is outside-the-box thinking for outside-the-box thinking's sake. That's all this is. This is the Wilpons telling the world, oh, look, see, we're not going to just do the same old, same old anymore. We're thinking outside the box. We're, we're, we're going to be contrary. Yeah, we're progressive. Look how progressive we are. Except for the fact that baseball now more so than ever is stacked with young, intelligent, assistant GM types all over the damn place. There was a myriad of choices the Mets could have made here. This is 100% the wrong one, as usual. And I don't want to hear, give him a chance. I mean, of course I'm going to give him a chance. I'm a fan of the team. I hope he isn't. this doesn't turn out to be a complete disaster. But given the Wilpons track record, A, they get no benefit of the doubt. And B, it's highly likely that this will turn out to be an unmitigated disaster. And two years from now, you know I'll be sitting here doing another damn show talking about who the next general manager of the Mets is. What a joke. What an absolute joke. Do they give any rationale for this? Um, I mean, they've issued a statement saying that... Here, I, I, I just saw the statement on Twitter. Uh, what did the Will Pond say about this? I mean, they, but no, they have not... They didn't really share what their mindset was as far as what they were really looking for specifically... Um, and as far as what a general, what kind of general manager they wanted, they didn't say we want somebody you know schooled in, in analytics, or we want somebody who's an old school guy, or a mix of both. They didn't do any. They didn't really identify what their criteria was, because guess what? They probably didn't have any. Right. That's why. Because right. it's a slapdash. Look, and here's the other. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's add to the fact that Jeff Wilpon at the end of the year said, um, well, you know. Whoever we hire will have total autonomy, 
But I would like them to keep around J.P. Ricciardi, the three-headed, you know, the three Stooges, Omar Minaya and and uh, John Rico. Oh, and and also probably keep the manager. I mean, if it were up to me, I'm not saying it's up to me, but I I, I would think you'd keep the manager. But I'll leave that up to him. Oh, really? So your first act as a general manager is to go against your owner's wishes? You think that's you think a new GM is going to come in and think that they actually have autonomy? And then say, yeah, I'm going to fire the manager after one year because I want to bring my own guy in. So now you're foisting a manager on a GM that he didn't get to that he didn't get to select himself. You're foisting three front office guys on this guy. Plus, you had one of those guys in John Rico part of the interview process. You think he's going to interview anybody that's going to fire him? Of course not. It's absurd. It makes absolutely no sense. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Why would you? It's like if I were about to get, if, if I just was about to get fired or my job was somewhat in jeopardy and then you had me basically interview my replacement and there was a chance that the guy I interviewed might keep me around. But there's some guys that might not keep me around. Who the hell do you think I'm going to recommend to ownership? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? This is the Mets. I mean, it's, and, 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 and it's, and it's so unnecessary. I mean, it doesn't make it, it, it. Again, always self-inflicted wounds with these guys. Always. Did you find anything on what the idiot owners no. had to say about no, this? I'm reading on this. Uh, reading up on this. Uh, Kim Ning, who uh, did not get the job. Right. She did not. By the way, she's probably... Sounds like that might have been, actually would have been an inspired eye. Of course it would have. Oh, for the first woman general manager. You know what? You want the first woman general manager working for those two idiots? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, she probably, yeah. you know what? She probably only shenanigans. Yeah, she probably she probably dodged a bullet on this one. Seriously, let her go get hired by a real organization that knows what the hell it's, it's doing, good. and give her. You know, you know, seriously, it's like it's like in college football in, in in the in the in the late in the early aughts, where the only black head coaches would always get terrible jobs. Like when Mike Loxley got the New Mexico job after they were like one in thirty eight for three years in a row, and then he doesn't turn it around, and then he's fired after two years. You can just imagine a scenario where she's sitting with the two Wilpons, uh-huh. basically telling them how they can get Bonds and Griffey in the same room. We don't have to give up that much. Yeah. Like, All right, uh, sweetie, <laughs> could, you, could you leave the room for a few minutes? Uh, we we got we're gonna discuss this. Yeah, that's thanks, sweetheart. Yeah, that, that that's nice. Yeah, thanks, dear. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Uh, uh, the, the gentlemen are talking now. Yeah, yeah the, the men are the men are talking. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, it, it is absolutely absurd. I don't think this is actually much of a stretch. I, I, think, that's, <laughs> I think that is pretty – she probably saw the handwriting on the wall. I mean, listen, the, by all indications, Fred Wilpon is a very nice man. Uh, uh, but I told you, I you know, I know guys that have done business with Jeff Wilpon, and I have not found one person yet that has one good thing to say about the guy. He is James Dolan. He really – he's a slightly – and I use slightly – very uh, generously here. He's a slightly more intelligent and articulate person than James Dolan, which is not saying much. But not as good of a musician, though. Oh, well, nobody's as good as J.D. in a straight shot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, again, maybe by, by, by some you know weird act of kismet, this thing actually works out. Highly unlikely. I mean, I, they, they, again, just think about the way in which they went about doing this. It's it's completely absurd. Slapdash is probably the best. The best yeah, one. ham-handed slapdash. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, whatever slapstick. I mean, it's it's it, it's really it's just it's a clown show. It's an absolute clown show. So that's it. That's all I had to say. I just wasted twenty minutes of my life on that. I hope at least I provided <laughs> some 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 entertainment to the, our listeners out there and some valuable insight. Yes. 
Um, so let's pivot to the team that's the complete opposite of the Mets, which would be the Boston Red Sox. Uh, one, one of the, assuming they're not cheating, yeah, one of the best teams I've ever seen, right up there with the with the two uh, the um, ninety eight Yankees. Uh, this team is ridiculous. Maybe better. I mean, this team is ridiculous. Well, I, I've never seen anything like this. Well, I mean, listen, they 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 did win one hundred eight games, so this doesn't come out of nowhere. They did beat you guys who won. I've been doing this all year. Any any game they that, you know they kind of had to have or needed to have, right? They could turn it on like that. Well, that's the thing. This was not some magic carpet ride team like the Dodgers were in '88 or the Cardinals were in 2006. You know, that got in with 83 wins and and the Do- that Dodgers team in '88, which wasn't any good at all. The Mets should have steamrolled in the playoffs that year. One of these dopey Cardinal teams winning 80. That's what I'm saying. The Cardinals yeah. in '06, yeah, that won 83 games literally and managed to win the World Series that year. So it's not a magic carpet ride team. They're a 108-win team in a very tough division. They dispatched the Yankees who won 100 games. They dispatched the Astros who won 103 games. So it's not like they beat bad teams to get to the World Series. They, two, they beat two very good teams to get there. So, I mean, and then, they, look, the Dodgers were better than the way they played early in the year. I was saying it all summer. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're going to turn it on. There's too much talent on that team. They had a ton of injuries early. They won 92 games. Not bad. It's not 108. At 16 games, it's a big swing. And I would probably argue that the American League is better than the National League, too. So they probably played better teams. I know interleague play and all that. But um, so, yeah, this was not a fluke. The Red Sox are a really good team. Like you said, I mean. And, and every, every personnel move they, they, they made yeah. just came up, came up sudden. Yeah, of course. Now, look, you have to have a little, uh, you call it luck, call it good fortune, whatever it is. Yeah, you, the, some, you know, the, the stars do need to align in certain aspects. I mean, look, I did say, not to be that guy, but I did say when they traded for Steve, Steve Pierce, at the time, I said on a show, without you, that's a sneaky, under-the-radar, really good move. Now, did I think it was going to be this good? No. I thought he'd be really good left. When they made that signing, I think, I think we probably, you know, I guess we didn't talk about it on the show. Right. But, uh, I, we probably just you know, texted. With yeah. Him. I'm sure I texted you that. You did. Thing, you know, you oh, did. man. You did. Because that guy's been wearing the Yankees out ever since he left. Right. Um, so I was pretty sure he'd get a lot of big hits. I mean, I mean, what? I mean, think he's going to do this, right? I mean, he's but, a potential World Series MVP. Didn't but, he um, be that yeah, good, I but. knew that was going to be a good, a good move. And then when they uh, when they traded for Evaldi, I saw the way Evaldi pitched against the Yankees with the Rays. Right. Uh, of course, he pitched lights out against the Yankees. Had a few terrible starts. He did. Um, Started out really but, well, then he got knocked when, around when a bunch. Saw in the playoffs. That's what I. That was the Evaldi that I saw against the Yankees. Was virtually unhittable. Right. Right. Yeah. No, you know, he lost. You know, he, he quote unquote lost the uh, game three, right? Where he went six innings of relief, right? No, he pitched great. Ridiculous. I mean, he pitched great out of the ball. He was he was he had a great look. That's the thing. They're, 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 all their acquisitions had great postseasons. They're good players, and when they're really good players, didn't have like you know Mookie Best didn't have a great World Series. They didn't need him to, but they didn't need him to because Pierce had a monster World Series, right? But you know Mookie Best was really good against you guys, where you know they don't, they don't you, swing at anything out of the zone. Yeah, they they they, they don't strike out that much, and they're relentless. I mean, two outs doesn't matter. They got all matter. these. I mean. They, they, I mean, it must be it must be good feelings. Imagine knowing every <laughs> pinch hitter I send up there is going to probably hit one out. Well, I mean, look. I mean, was there any doubt that Mitch Moreland was going deep? Uh, four nine. I, I mean, listen, and you you called it. I gave, gave that AG credit here. I got the text from him at four nothing. Sent me the text. I believe I could read it. If I'll paraphrase, uh, the way. Puig is celebrating right now. You don't do that against this team, especially something like that. Hold on. Let me find it because you nailed that, and that was that was not a second guess. That was a first guess. Let me get it. I got it right here. Uh, 
Here it is. Hold on. We've got a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, ah, oh, Dodgers, yeah. Dodgers way too giddy on the bench after the Puig home run like the game's over. Thought they were in trouble right then and there. Oh, no, that wasn't even it. That's Oh, here it is. Dodgers celebrating like they won the series after taking four-run lead in the sixth against a team they're playing. Not a good look. Boom. There you, you go. And, you. and also Thank Dave you. Roberts completely outsmarting himself. I assume that was in reference to taking out Rich Hill. Well, yeah, Rich Hill, which, particularly which when he took him out, because he took him out. Um, so he walked. The, he so, let him so, start the, the seven. Dodgers go up four nothing. Right, and he, and Rich Hill did pitching it, great. It, all right, the series is tied two one. Uh, right. ex, 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 Dodgers me. are down two uh, one. They're down two one. Right, they're up four nothing. Right, top of the seventh. Right, win this game. Yep, it, it, it game on. Yep, it's game on. It's a new series. But you know, as as you mentioned, yeah, they're they're celebrating like they won the World Series. Yep. So I know they're in trouble. Well, let them play, man. No, let them play, Aaron. Let them play. That news ad campaign, let them play. They, they were so giddy. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, so then I'm like, all right, they've got to weather the seventh because this is where the Sox are going to, this is where they're going to strike. Yeah. Uh, if, they can, if they can get out of the seventh down, if they can get out of the seventh at 4-2. Right. They've got a shot. Right. 4-3, anything more than that, they're done. Right. Because if it's 4-3, because right. first of all, you know the Dodgers are done scoring. Right. They're done scoring. Wow. They're, they're not scoring again. I mean, it yes, seemed they that way. The ninth, but they, 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 yeah, that's when it was already nine right. four. So, but, um, so at four nothing, they, they so they keep Richel and of course he walks. He walks the lead off batter, but he gets the next guy out. Right. So the next batter's uh, Brock Holt, lefty on lefty. Right. They bring in that guy uh, Anderson. What the hell's his name? That the scrub lefty. Florio. No, 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 no. It was a lefty. I, I forget his name. Uh, walked him. Walked Holt on. Oh, the guy at number seventy-five. That guy. I that believe they, so. that just I believe got so. on this. He was just. He wasn't. Walked him on four yeah. pitches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as that well, happened, those but hold on. There's a whole backstory about this whole Rich Hill thing. Did you watch the game last night? No, we, no. I, I three batters in. I shut it. Okay. I shut it so down. we had to get two. I saw Pierce's ball go over the wall, and that was it for me. Okay. We had to get two stories: one from Rosenthal and one from Verducci. The same story about. So apparently, what happened was Rich Hill had come to Dave Roberts in the after the, the after the sixth and said, "Keep an eye on me." Didn't say specifically, "I'm tired" or "I'm tiring" or just "Keep an eye on me." When Roberts came out to get him. This is according to both Rich Hill and because you know people were furious and up in arms and everyone's like, yeah, we understand we you know we coddle pitchers now, but that's ridiculous. You got to leave him out there. It wasn't a t- high pitch count like you said. Why bringing another lefty? Lefty, it's dumb. So Robert, uh, when Roberts came to get him, Roberts claimed that he wasn't necessarily going to get him. He was going to talk to him and see, ask him how he felt. But Rich Hill said when he saw Roberts coming out. Since every other time Roberts ever comes out to get him means he's done for the game, he wasn't paying attention. He just handed him the ball. And then Dave Roberts said, well, once oh. he hands me the ball, then I can't – then not right, – right. he's mentally checked out. I can't right. keep him in the game. Right. He thinks he's out of the game. Oh. So, I, did, I did not hear that. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently there's a bit of a miscommunication oh there. I mean, now listen, I don't know if that's – they're just trying to provide cover for one another now because yeah. so, Rich Hill – you know, they and, and and I will say in their defense, both uh, Rosenthal and Verducci both basically said Rich Hill, you know, is disputing this this idea that he asked out of the game mm-hmm. that he's saying that I did not. Right. So and Roberts is they, they right. Try, they could be trying to cover. So them. maybe they could. I mean, it sounds a little suspicious, but whatever. If if indeed that is the case, that's a hell of a way to potentially lose a game wow. because of, because of that, miscommunication. That, yeah. 
Um, so, so yes, yeah, so they wound up walking Brock Holt for right. the second one out. They bring in Madsen, who set the record for yep. most inherited runners scored. Seven inherited runners, all seven scored. But here's the other thing. I understand Ryan Madsen has a little bit of a track record. They just got Ryan Madsen towards the end of the year. And the reason they got him is because he stunk for the Nationals. He was not having a good year. Now, listen, yes, I understand with relievers, they're fickle. You Sometimes you can catch lightning in a bottle. Ryan Madsen wasn't giving you any indication that he was getting, that he was getting anybody out in a big spot. Correct. I, Roberts used him way too much. I mean, you can make an argument for bringing Jansen there in the highest leverage situation in the game. Maybe. Because you, you, you keep that game 4 nothing. Right. You're probably going to win. Yeah, probably. Probably, probably. I think no, but you know, Ken, Ken, and, and listen, and Dave Roberts is getting hammered for a lot of his moves, and some of it's legitimate. But I mean, you know, look, Ken, Kenley Jansen wasn't very good either in no, this series, not. and that's no, not Dave not. Roberts's fault. I mean, and he's got, their best got, reliever. Yeah, you got to perform. Got. I mean, he, he's their best. You know, look, Kimbrel wasn't very good either, but he managed a way to tiptoe through the raindrops. I mean, he was a high wire act every time he came in a game. But guess what? He kept he he kept the Red Sox in the lead at the end of the day. Exactly. He didn't look good doing it, but he got he somehow got managed third out. Yep. Game over. Yep, exactly. Let's celebrate. Uh, yeah, a couple other things. So you also yeah. Have so right. So then so then uh, so then Madsen winds up. He winds up uh, getting uh, Jackie Rogers Jr. Right to to pop up. Right. Jack, Jackpot Wad. Right. Um, so two outs and then uh, and then Moreland hits the ball about right. seven hundred yeah. feet. Yeah, high change up or whatever that was, yeah. and he just and then, crushed and then, it. And at that point, you knew. It was yeah, there. that was it. And that was that it. was it. And that so then I started just flipping between the, all the other games because I didn't really really want to watch. I wasn't interested in watching the soccer. Right. So then you're watching at that point college football. You know? Yeah. So but then I wound up actually going back in the eighth. Right. Where Jansen was pitching. Right. It was one out. Right. I'm watching him uh, face Steve Pierce. Oh yeah. And I'm watching him with total <laughs> Phil Jackson face because I know what's coming. You knew he's one good. pitch. Uh-huh. I, I go back over there one. Pitch, Yep. I, I watch it. Gonzo. And, yep. Uh, and then just, uh, just did, I'm laughing at the idiots uh-huh. on the channel. And then uh, the next time I went back there, right, was uh, you know, there was it was just a one run. It was still you know they took the lead in the ninth. Right. Two outs. Right. Uh, you know the big difference between going between the Dodgers hitting the bottom of the ninth down one or bases loaded two outs. Uh, Pierce comes up. And now I'm really watching. Now a five-four game turns into a nine-four game. There was yeah. a not ninety-nine. There was a one hundred percent chance. Bases clearing, bases clearing double, double, right? Of course, yeah, of course. As soon as he, as soon as the ball left the bat, yeah, flip, yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. and then I'm done. Well. Uh, one of the best teams I've ever... I yeah, think. no, really good. And, you know, look, you had a lot of storylines, right? You had, you know, every move Dave Roberts made was turned out to be the right one. You had... Uh, I mean, Cora. I mean, Cora, rather, right? Every move Alex Cora made turned out to be the right move. Uh, you had, you know, the, the David Price redemption, you know, a guy who had been a, has been a very good pitcher in the league for a long time, but hadn't, hadn't experienced a lot of postseason success, had two great outings uh, in the World Series. Uh, you know, you had guys like four days rest. That's not a thing anymore. Yeah, I know. You had guys like Evaldi off the scrap. He pitched great. You had guys like Steve Pierce. We talked about um, from the Dodgers' perspective. More of the Clayton Kershaw, not great in postseason. Continues. I mean, he wasn't awful yet last night, but you know, look, they they basically needed him to throw a shutout, and he couldn't do it. But no, he no. wasn't terrible. He's, he's yeah. He's, um, I mean, you can tell he's much, not right how much, though. How much more postseason evidence do you need from him? Yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, his velocity is way down now too. I mean, he, he's down barely cracking ninety. I mean, that's that's not him. Um, and then the other guy I, has a player we're, probably. We're going to talk about the shortstop. Yeah, because I know you don't want him, and I don't want him. No, he, you know, obviously he was auditioning for me. <clears throat> yeah, with two strikes on him already, because you know there were there were several things. Well. Manny Machado. We're talking about Manny Machado. So it's funny. I I remember I did a show by myself last year or whenever. Was it last year or two? It was last year, I guess, when the World Baseball Classic was going on. 
And I, I mean, I sat here and I gushed like a, I, I fawned over him like a 15 year old schoolgirl. I mean, I was, I was gushing about Manny Machado. He's a transformational player. He's a generational player. The Mets should do everything in their power if the Orioles decide they want to trade him to go get this you guy. Your, you did your uh, Fran Healy to Mike Piazza. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, and, you know, and this guy's a shortstop. Right, exactly. Pretty much. I, that's pretty much what I did. Um, and, you know, look, I've seen a, a lot of them, right? I mean, places in the world, I watch a lot of Yankee games. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm pretty familiar with his body of work. After the, his act that he pulled in this postseason in the World Series uh, and that weird interview that he gave where he basically admits that he doesn't hustle all the time, and then he does it in a World Series game in which his team is losing the game and losing the series. Plays an extra base hit into it. And he hits a ball off spot. the wall in left center because he's standing at home plate admiring it, and he turns a double into a single. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> no thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, no thank you. I want no part of that guy. I let him go hit 40 home runs and 120 RBIs, mostly meaningless window dressing numbers somewhere else. I know he's only 26. I know he's a great third baseman. He's not a great shortstop, by the way, but he is a great third baseman. But he's insisting on playing shortstop. Another red flag, yeah, by exactly. the way. Yep. It's a me guy, not a team first guy. Um, doesn't walk. Doesn't walk that much. Uh, you can get him out with good pitching. You can get him out with pitches out of the strike zone. And you know what? Look, I understand he's got power, but he hit in a band box in, in Camden Yards for most half of his games. Um, and then the, the, his whole demeanor uh, in this whole in, in this off season, no, thank you. Not not for the money that he's go- that you know the one dumb owner theory, right? Someone's going to give him two hundred fifty million dollars. Ain't going to be me. I'm not giving it to him. It better not be my squad. Well, I mean, it would be so overkill for you guys to get him. You don't need him. You need no, starting I, well, pitchers. Also, you know, you know, Cash is, is doing everything under the lens of how do I beat the Sox? Right. And I think if you watch him, uh, that's no, not how. This guy ain't gonna help you yep. beat the Sox. Yep. Well, and it's interesting. As and there's no fit. There's no fit. Right. It makes no sense. Yeah, you don't need him to play third base. You have Andujar. Yeah, okay. Didi's so gonna come gonna back. Miss, is gonna like, D- miss a few months. I, Didi's gonna come back. You can quick, play. Quick you can play. Dealer, you can play Torres at shortstop. Uh, you, you, you figure you it out. That. You can weather that. It's for six so. How, by the way, I, listen. I, I know. I know. He's not the, the biggest problem. But you know, getting Stanton was kind of overkill, and that didn't exactly put you over the top. Now he's not the only reason why you guys didn't move past the Red Sox. Red Sox was just a better team. But again, it's this is not stratomatic. He's what he, but you know, he is what he is. Steve Pierce would have made it, probably would have made made exactly. some of a difference in those two losses. Like you said, where, where, where he struck out with with guys on all game. Like long. you said, it's not fantasy baseball. You got to look at fit. How do guys fit in the course of a lineup? See, this is the stuff that drives me nuts about the analytics. Is they don't take any of this stuff into account. They look purely at numbers and make decisions based on that. Because it's interesting. Because I know we can't hit and run anymore in baseball. Except the Red Sox did it all the time and 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 avoided double plays on several occasions that distinctly and directly led to runs. I know we can't steal bases anymore, except same thing the Red Sox did it. I know we only hit with launch angle now and try to hit home runs, except the Red Sox try to hit the ball the other way. There's J.D. Martinez, who hit 45 home runs four years in a row, slapping balls to right field in the playoffs. enough, remember last year the Sox, uh, they were one of the lowest, uh, they were ranked one of the lowest teams in home runs. Right. And uh, Cora, who, you know, he was, uh, he, who was coaching with the Astros right. the year before, right. he came on and he told them, he actually got them to... to his, uh, I guess, his scouting report from what from playing against them right. was that they got into too many unfavorable counts because they were taking too many pitches. Right. So you know he got them actually swinging more aggressive and right. their home run total went through the roof. Right. Well, and they also got JD Martinez. I mean, it also helps. Um, and you know, and Mitch Moreland had a much better year. And look, my point is again, 
Everything in moderation. Yes, analytics is, is certainly a useful tool, but it's not the only tool. Your eyes actually are a tool. Watching the flow of a game is a tool. The fact that we used to we hit and ran for 110 years, and now all of a sudden that's deemed uh, ir- that's deemed well, that's, well, garbage. Well, yeah, well, with the uh, with with the success of the Sox, I think that may come back. Yeah, because it's stupid. I mean, it, it's dumb that it ever went away. There's no reason for it to go away. Yeah, also, you gotta have the guys to do it. You gotta have the guys have the instincts. I understand. Understand that, but but my point is is that we're coaching kids now at an age to not have those skills anymore because analytics is is poisoning the sport because now being able to make solid contact to the opposite <laughs> field is deemed is is deemed uh, 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 useless now. It's, it's stupid. A, it's always a copycat league though, and the teams that are the most successful. You know, I mean, people people are going to look at the Sox and they're going to start start trying to model what they do. I, I understand that, but again, the Sox are a well. But look what they do; they're well rounded. They don't exclusively this rely. Is like the mo- this is the most well rounded team I think I've ever seen. I mean, right. Ridiculous. I just mean from an offensive standpoint, they're a well-rounded team. They've got speed. They've got athleticism. They have power. Gee, what a novel concept. That always used to be the model for every team. Every team inspired. You wanted guys that got on base that were fast at the top of the lineup. You wanted a guy hit about 300-plus in your third-place hitter. And you wanted some mashers in four, five, and six. And the bottom of the lineup, you, you, got, you take what you got. And that, and then and then all of that got all turned on its head due to analytics. Because but it worked for 110 years. But then somebody decided, no, 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 we can't have that anymore. It's stupid. Oh, by the way, also uh, as far as catching goes, yeah, I think you're going to see teams start to also copy the the Sox model. I don't care if my catcher hits 150. A guy like Sandy Leone who just blocks right. everything. Right. Yeah. Because now I, I catching mean, is so much harder because so, well, because, you know, because couple guys, of factors. Guys throw so much harder. Guys have better stuff. Spin rate is being is being you know is being uh, yes. And so framing is a high pro. There's a well, high so premium pace on framing. Takes the catchers out of position. Correct. Makes it hard, harder to uh, Correct. block. Well, so Correct. so so you know the the, the uh, uh, Yasmani Grandals. Yeah. Hit your 25 home runs during the year. He was useless. He was pretty bad, but he had a really good year during the regular season. His WAR was really good in the regular season. I mean, it could be also he just had a rough playoffs. I mean, you know. Oh, did you see it, like his career playoff numbers? Yeah, not they're, good. They're, they're like right up there with Nick Swish. It's probably well, worse. Well, so by the way, you can, I can I, I just book it now. The Mets will sign him to a big free agent deal this offseason. So see? See? We spend money. That, that, yeah, <laughs> that not be a great use of your money. All right, let's take a short break. Enough with the baseball. Joey Looseleaf, where are you? Yeah, come, well, come back. Listen, come back. I, I, What's going to take to get him back? I'll tell you this. If Brody Van Wagenen decides to f- convince the owners to fire Mickey Callaway and hire Joe Girardi, then we might Always be on to something. About this then we may be on to something. All right, take a short break. We'll be back with the NFL right after this. Okay, we are back here on a Monday evening QB edition of Jamal About Sports. So week nine, in the, was it week nine or week eight? Week eight. Week nine? Week this eight? This is week eight. This is week eight. We just finished week eight, right? Yeah. 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 Week what eight. Well, no, because yeah, no, you're, no. You're, uh, you're, you're now four and three and four. Three and four, yeah, and we had a bye, so this is the eighth, yeah, week eight, week eight in the NFL. So yeah, we'll get we'll, we we start with my Lions, and uh, look, very disappointing performance yesterday. Well, particularly coming off the week before. Yeah, well, and you know, like I said to you yesterday, the team I saw yesterday and the team that and the team I watched against the Dolphins. Board zero resemblance to one another. I much, mean, much like many teams in the National Football it, League, week to week proposition, you, you don't know what you're getting. No, no. The thing that was distressing about yesterday is the lines appeared to be flat, which uh, how you could be flat at, at home, home is 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 uh, puzzling. And by the way, Ricky Jean Francois 
actually said that very thing. Apparently, he's turned into a big uh, team spokesman, which I think, by the way, does not bode well. He's been with the team for about four seconds, yet he's one of their more vocal uh, leaders. I, I don't think that's a very good uh, sign, but may, may, maybe I, I could be wrong. Um, but look, they seem flat. Uh, they got whipped on both uh, lines of scrimmage. Uh, offensive line poor, poor all day. He didn't create any running lanes for Johnson. Didn't protect Stafford particularly well. Stafford did not play particularly well. Had a terrible fumble where he just didn't uh, put two hands on the ball when he was moving around in the pocket. Just dropped the ball when the Lions were trying to make a comeback. Uh, threw a bad interception late in the game that would have made it 28-21 with like 340 left. So, you know, maybe they get a stop and get a ball back and have a chance to tie the game. I mean, you know, it was first and goal at the three. You know, if it's not there, just throw it away. He's been in the league too long to make that mistake. He knows it, whatever. He was furious with himself when he fumbled. Uh, look, guys guys aren't going to play perfect all 16 games. Um, and yesterday was a game for the Lions to have any chance. He had to be perfect because the defense was out to lunch yesterday. Completely non-existent. Three touchdowns. At the, the Russell, Russell Wilson had a – listen, I like Russell Wilson. I respect Russell Wilson. He's a very good quarterback. He had a perfect passer rating against the Lions yesterday. Uh Three, like 14, 17, 14 for 17 for 200 and something yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Lions have two turnovers all year. Two. Two. We have two turnovers all year. You've only tu- you've gotten or, or two. Okay, two. You've only gotten two turns or you've two. only turned the turn two. ball over two. Got two turnovers. They have two turnovers. Gotcha. We have the pick six on the first play of the game against the Jets and interception against Tom Brady. Other than that, zero turnovers. Yeah, oh, no, no, that's not true. Sorry. Two interceptions, two fumble recoveries against uh, the Packers. Right, my Packers bad. Packers also only have four. Just, just, uh, okay. Just, just, two fumble recoveries. Sorry. Two interceptions and then two fumble recoveries against the Packers. Uh, so they're not turning the ball over. Yes, they have a decent amount of sacks, but they're, they get no uh, – if they don't get a sack, they get no pressure on the quarterback. Um, and listen, I get it. Russell Wilson's one of the more mobile, if not the most mobile quarterback in the league. He's tough to pin down. I get all that. All three of those touchdowns could have at, at best could have been interceptions by the Lions. At worst, probably should have been bat, balls that were batted away, and neither of those two things because happened. Nobody, nobody has the ability to play the ball in the air. Certainly the Lions' DBs don't. Tease Tabor has been an unmitigated disaster. He is the 114th out of 114. He's 114th ranked cornerback out of 114 cornerbacks in the league as per Pro Football Focus. Again, you take Pro Football, take, take with a grain of salt by any measure, and ain't good. Right. Okay, right. I, I mean it's not good, and I, 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 have, I have eyes. Now he didn't play badly. He did not play that badly, and this is why Pro Football Focus, by the way, you do have to take it with a grain of salt. He got a poor grade last week too against Miami. He actually played okay in the Dolphins game. He gave up a touchdown. He was in perfect position. It was a perfect throw, uh, and the Lions had the lead. And he made a couple of nice uh, third down stops early in that game. So he gets dinged for giving up completions. But meanwhile, he's holding guys short of the sticks on third down. So the passer rating is high against him, right? right? Because he's giving up completions. But meanwhile, on third... So who, so who knows what they're taking? Right. Into so on third and nine, the guy catches the ball on what? a... F- on, on third. Oh, third and nine, as Beth Mowens would say. Uh, you know, guy's catching a five-yard crossing route, and he's right there and stops the guy in his tracks. I'm sorry. That's a plus on my book, right? You're getting off yeah, the field. Yeah. So, look, he had a horrible game yesterday. Quandre Diggs didn't have a very good game yesterday. Uh... Uh, Darius Slay has not had a very good year at all, by the way. Other than play against the Patriots, he's not played very well this year. Um, Nevin Lawson gave up that. And Nevin Lawson. Look, that's the that's the story of Nevin Lawson's career. The guy is gritty. He's gutty. He cares. He plays his tail off every week. 
and he's sticky in coverage, but he gets called for a ton of penalties because he doesn't use his hands well, and he literally has zero interceptions in his career because he does not play the ball well in the air. He just doesn't. And at some point, I'm sorry, you either got to move him into the slot, which they did actually a bunch last uh, these last two games, but even then, you know, teams recognize that. The other team gets paid too. The other team's coaches work long hours too. And guess what? You don't think they don't know and they don't see on film that if you throw the ball deep down the field against Nevin Lawson, even if he's there, the likelihood the guy's going to make a play on the ball and he's not, of course they do. Yeah, just pick up a quick 40, cheap, quick 40 yards. Right, or even if I'm saying, even if they don't call a penalty, like yesterday's play was, you know, a, a, a flag route to the corner of the end zone. He's right there. He just didn't make a play. Now, look, give Russell Wilson credit. It's a good throw. But I mean, look. At some point, you got to. At some point, you got to make a play. You guys make some plays. At some point, you got to make a play. And again, to me, the most distressing thing was the offensive line got whooped and the defensive line. Other than Snacks Harrison, who was fantastic yesterday, by the way. I mean, that's a good debut. I mean, seven tackles, two for loss, and a sack. Uh, when when the the place he was on the field, the Seahawks averaged under three yards a carry uh, running the ball. And when he wasn't on the field, they averaged like five and a half yards a carry. So, um, and like, as you know, that guy's been a thorn in my side yes. for years. And remember, short week for him because he played on Monday night because he was well, he was on the Giants. Right. And they played a Monday night game against yeah, the Falcons, and and just and obviously new to the scheme. So you would think the play could actually improve. I mean, it's a tough act to follow, but um, he uh, he uh, he played a great game. But, I mean, look, Jared Davis, I thought, took a step back yesterday. Uh, I mean, the Seahawks did whatever they wanted on offense. They ran the ball. They threw the ball. Line special. Oh, my God. And then we'll, I'll finish it off on this. Line special team. This is line special. So, score 7-7. Seven, seven. Lines, actually, so lines defer. Uh, Seahawks move the ball to about midfield. Lines get the ball in their own nine. Stafford takes him down 91 yards, uh, hits Marvin Jones for like a 38-yard touchdown. Very nice play, escapes pressure, beautiful throw. Uh, Seahawks come down the field and score, and Sue and kick off Amir Abdullah fumbles. <clears throat> Seahawks recover, score right after that. Uh, that changed the whole game. Now, people are killing Amir Abdullah. He had both hands on the ball covered up exactly the way you're supposed to do it like this. Again, the other team gets paid too. The guy just made a great hit, had put his helmet right on it, knocked the ball out. What are you going to do? You know, everyone's, oh, this guy's a fumbler. He's a fumbler. I mean, th- there's some truth to that. He fumbled a lot his rookie year. He didn't fumble much last year. Um, he lost one fumble last year. He had two on the, in that Packers game. But, um, you know, I, I can't get mad at the guy. It wasn't like he was careless with the ball. Right, right, he did what right, you're right. supposed to do. Uh, obviously, he was a killer. You know, it was a momentum killer, and it swung the game. Uh, the Lions got penalized on every return they had yesterday, be it kickoff or punt. Every single one was was penalized. The Lions, uh, my punter, uh, gave us a touchback when we needed to pin them down from like the forty-five. Then when we needed to get uh, when we needed better punt late late in the game, twenty-eight yarder in a dome. 28-yard punt in a dome. Yes. In a dome, a 28-yard punt. I, I know I get so enraged by this guy. I, I mean, this guy, yeah, punters are I'm not, sorry. not good for your blood pressure. You ha- uh, listen, you have one effing job, okay, and you're in a dome. Dude, this isn't yeah. Soldier Field in December when it's 20. blowing the ball Yeah, or, or Lambeau or even in San Francisco or anywhere. You're in a controlled climate. There's zero excuse for this. Can't zero. Have Can't have it. Oh, my Can't God. Enraging. Um, so I got two terrible punts from my punter. I got penalties galore on every return. I got a fumble kick return. And then... Just for just to add salt to the wound, late in the game, 
Carroll told her it was 20. After the interception, it was 28, 14, whatever. The game was probably over. So they, they, they stopped Seattle three plays in a row. On fourth down, Pete Carroll told the punter to just take a safety. So he started running backwards out of the end zone, but then he saw the, there was nobody on the lines paying attention, so then he just ran with the ball oh. and ran and got a first down. Oh, that's good. Uh-huh. That's good. <laughs> so that perfectly and I, and I'm sure you got to see Pete Cow just, just laughing up on the sideline. He's yeah, so yeah, he is. He's a good coach, though. I got to tell you, I mean, look, you know, retrospect. I mean, I, look, this game, I said on my show last week, this game scared me. I said, I don't care. Figure out a way to get a win, but I did not think it was going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. See, I was coming off a bye. Their owner just died. That team was playing with purpose. They're fired up. And you know what? Seattle's a good organization. I understand they're in a bit of a rebuild mode. I know there's no more Cam Chancellor, no more Richard Sherman, no more Cliff Averill, no more Michael Bennett. Guess what? Uh, Frank Clark's a good player. Jaron Reed's a good player. Bobby Wagner's still there. Guy can play. Um, you know, uh, K.J. Wright's a good player. They've got good players on that team. Uh, and then, obviously, the quarterback's really good. And I understand the receiving core. Uh, I, I literally have never heard of David Moore before. Yeah, never. I have no idea that. Guy I mean, we, we watch a lot of college football, you and I. Yep, no we idea. pay really close attention to the draft, you and I. Yeah. Neither of us ever heard of this guy. Uh, and the lines, Tease Tabor in particular, made him look like Jerry Rice yesterday. It's a bit distressing. Um, but, you know, Chris Carson runs hard. Mike Davis is not bad. I mean, this guy, you know, Chris Carson kicked our ass. You know, it, their offensive line has gotten better. Dwayne Brown's a good left tackle. Um, you know, they've had a lot of turnover on that offensive line, but they figured finally figured out a combination that works. Look, I don't want to give them too much credit, but my point is, they're not some schlub organization. This is not the Browns. This is not some laughing stock. This is a team that competes every year. No, you know, you know that you're going to get a rough. Game. Yeah, you're going to get a. You know, yeah, you're going to get a tough. Yes, max uh, effort from that team. Yes, yes. Speaking of the Browns. Uh, as I'm sure you were aware, they have fired their coach and their offensive coordinator. <laughs> Unsuccessful head coach. Well, I saw his, his career record was, it was like three and. Well, with the Browns, he's three thirty six and one. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, enough said. Make it, uh, Mr. Marinelli look like. Vince Lombardi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here. Ugh. Yeah. Now, now, That's listen. Brutal. Now, if the Browns had a, had, and, and, and so if the but if the Browns had an, a, a, an adequate kicker, and, and didn't get completely screwed in uh, by the refs in the Raiders game with that ridiculous overturn of the spot. Did you see that? What happened in that Raiders game? I remember hearing about it. I didn't. It was is I. I mean, it's, it's lines like shit. What happened to them in that game? They got a first down that sealed the game. Game's over. Right, Raiders are out of timeouts. Game's going to be over. Carlos Hyde gets a first down. Uh, uh, they cha- I think either the Raiders challenged the spot or the booth buzzed down. I don't know if it was inside. It must have been inside of two minutes and the booth buzzed down. There was no evidence at all to overturn the spot. Zero. None. I mean, and you know, it's got to be glaring, right? Uh-huh. I, I mean, it, you, you could have looked at it from and said maybe he was just a hit. There's no way. And they overturned it. And then, of course, they, you know, and now, granted, Shame on Hugh Jackson because he didn't let Mayfield try to throw and get a first down to win the game, put the game out of reach. Um, and so then the game ended up going overtime. They ended up losing. But nevertheless, that game should have been over. They should have beat the Saints um, or, or the Steelers, rather, if they had a kicker uh, that first game or second game right. of the year. Right. So that's two wins right there. Um, you know, they lost on a 59-yard field goal. By Chandler Cantonzaro had missed a 40-yarder and an extra point that same game to Tampa last week. I mean, I'm just saying, 
listen, uh, you can't defend 336-1. I have no qualms with them firing Hugh Jackson. Um, but they also— A lot fi- has to go wrong to go 336-1. Well— uh, here, here's a start hiring baseball general managers to be football general managers. That, that might be a start. I mean, that's met like idiocy right there. They hired Paul DeBotesta to help po- be part of their football front office to see what he could bring to the table because he's a moneyball guy. Uh huh. How's that working out for you guys so far? And Sashi Brown was their other GM who they fired and they brought in the, the great John Dorsey, um, except John Dorsey hired Todd Haley and kept Hugh Jackson. And hired Greg Williams. So, and that was a volatile mix that pretty much the whole world knew was not a good idea. If you watch one second of Hard Knocks, you could see that this was a disaster from the very oh, beginning. Is that right? Oh yeah. Did you, watch, did you watch all? all I watch a little. No, I watch a little bit of the first. You can see from so the first, the first episode, Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson butting heads, right. and then Hugh Jackson uh, disputing things that Todd Haley said in the press. I mean, it was a mess from the beginning. Uh, Todd Haley, by the way, has now worn his welcome out in two places and all that. I mean, even the Steelers could barely stand him, but Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell were so good that they, I guess they dealt with him. But he wore his welcome out with Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, now he's out in, in, in Cleveland. Um, but, I, I, I mean, listen, you, you can't argue with them getting rid of him. It's just, again, this idea that John Dorsey, is, is, is because he's new, I guess, is, is going – uh, unscathed here is ridiculous, and the owner is a joke. I mean, Jimmy Haslam is a joke. First of all, he's a criminal. Uh, he's a crook, and second of all, uh, you know the idea. I mean, you can't have a more unstable franchise than the Cleveland Browns. By the way, they have the most head coaching changes in their division in the last uh, six years. Because all the other teams, I think, have kept their coach. Also, the most quarterback changes too. I think. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Who's the most quarterback? Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I mean, they can never find one that's any good. Um, I mean, look. Again, I have no problem with them getting rid of Hugh Jackson. Uh, you know, Hugh Jackson is also the same guy that, just, that 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 didn't even let Mayfield compete for the job to start the year in the training camp, which was dumb. And he and he's the quarterback guru. Right. Right. Well, I, listen, I, 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 Hugh Jackson's body of work as a head coach is not great. It was not great with the Raiders either. Right. Uh, I guess he was a decent coordinator with the Bengals um, under Marvin Lewis. But, uh, yeah, um, no issues with, with them getting rid of him. Uh, Green, and speaking of Bengals coaches, uh, you know, the Cowboys, they hired the Bengals offensive, uh, uh, offensive line coach. They just fired him. Oh, so, really? Yeah, Paul Alexander. Huh. Um, so, yeah, the in the offseason, the Cowboys, um, their offensive line coordinator, uh, 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 Frank Pollock, went to the Bengals. Right. And they got the Bengals. Uh, Frank Pollock, for former center years. for the Packers with uh, Brett Favre, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? I believe so. But 27 years, uh, Paul Alexander was with the Bengals. And, you know, right. You know, Always a highly respected O-line yeah, coach. Yeah, and, uh, but I, I, I actually had heard whispers last few weeks that this is not working. Huh. You know, Sometimes it doesn't work. Well at all, but like they, like they, the players were not digging. Sometimes some, it doesn't some work. Some guys. They, they, they made a move. They, yeah. And they, uh, they, they hired um, Mark Colombo. Okay. So you know, oh, ho- hopefully, 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 hopefully he's got a clue. For, uh, yeah. uh, just one more thing. Um... That Rams-Green Bay game was crazy yesterday. Yeah, what do you think of the Ty Montgomery situation? Uh, it's very strange. So for those that may not have seen it, uh, the Packers were about to do what the Packers do, which is after the Rams. By the way, the Rams 
I, I know everybody loves Sean McVay, and he's done a great job, but they botched the end of that game. They got – had had Montgomery not taken the ball out of the end zone and fumbled there, and Rodgers does what Rodgers does, which is probably going to go down and give him a, a game-winning field goal, uh, Sean McVay would have been in a little bit of hot water because they're about to run the clock down and make Green Bay call a timeout, and then they called a timeout right. themselves. Right. Which was idiotic. It made absolutely no sense. Well, no, didn't they, didn't they? I think at that point they had run the clock down to like there was only a few seconds left before when they called the timeout. But 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 there's no reason to call. Just run the play. Yeah. And then you force Green Bay to use their last timeout. You don't let Green Bay keep a timeout in their back pocket. Um, no, I'm saying there was it was only a few seconds left on the clock when they you know before they I, you know I think. But there's no reason they they, they had play, they had they did that on purpose. They had play, it wasn't like they were in a hurry and they were about to get a delay a game. They were up at the line of scrimmage with plenty of time left on a play clock. They completely botched that. Sean McVay screwed that up mightily. They got bailed out because Ty Montgomery was, I guess, apparently was told to keep to not come out of the end zone. Well, before that, he got taken out of the game. They supposedly had a temper tantrum on the sideline. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that so, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. So he was already so. Yeah, so the players are not happy with him. Was, I, that I know. Some quotes. That I know. Say anything like that. So yeah, he was already pissed off. Okay. Uh, he was specifically told not to right the ball not out. to take the ball out of the end zone of course, and fumbles, which is also why Rogers was losing his mind on right. the. Uh, Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because Rogers is. Because there, there was also a not ninety nine. There was a one hundred percent chance he was going to take him right. <laughs> Probably. I mean, it, 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 at least sixty forty. I mean, yeah. And I mean, because they what they would have had fifty something seconds in a timeout, which is plenty of time. It's plenty of time to get a touchdown, let alone a field more. goal. I think it was even more time. Yeah, a minute and ten or yeah. something like that. I mean, it was plenty of time. It was, it was right around. The yeah, so that was that was shocking. But, I mean, all this talk about how they, they should cut him now. I didn't know about the temper tantrum and the blow-up on the side. Uh, Ty Montgomery's made a lot of plays for that team. Yeah. I mean, remember, they were down. They had no running backs, and he came in as a wide receiver and played running back and was actually very good at it from that one year. So, uh, you know what? They want to get rid of him. I'll, put him? I'll take him on my team. I mean, unless he's, all of a sudden he's turned into a total locker room cancer. You but Stanford, you would expect a lot more from a uh, team of varsity letter. You would. Yeah. You would. Uh... And then other than that, that's pretty much all I got. I mean, we're up against the, the clock here. Um, we got college football. I mean, you know, they're going to do the rankings tomorrow. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, I, I can probably say that almost with no one's going undefeated. Uh, Georgia got right back in the mix with that win over Florida. Uh, Oklahoma is not dead by any stretch of the imagination as far as making the playoff. Obviously, Alabama looks like the best team. They haven't played anybody yet. We'll see what they do against LSU this week, which, but they'll probably win because LSU is still a one-dimensional team on offense. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, and Notre Dame is 3-0. and I, you know, I know Notre Dame beat Michigan, and everybody loves that. You know, the rest of Notre Dame's schedule is a joke. Um, so, you know, I mean, big win over Navy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they play the service academies, they play Ball State, they play Wake Forest, they play like a, a half assed ACC schedule now because they're in the ACC in basketball, but, you know, they still get to be independent in football. I mean, listen, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't like Notre Dame. I never root for Notre Dame. Um, and I'm not saying they're bad, but, I mean, they're not. To me, there's certainly no lock to make the playoff. And, by the way, I'm not sold on the fact that they're going to go undefeated either. So, anyway. All right, that will do it for tonight's show. As always, thanks for listening. You can check us out on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Uh, the website is jamalaboutsports.com. Twitter handle, at jamalaboutsportnos. And the Facebook page is also jamalaboutsports.com. Enjoy all the sports. Until next week, peace out.